0: Thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe.
1: Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 395 now of The Ron and Don Show. And heck yeah, we're live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Coming up with The Ron and Don Show, we'll talk about a young lady in her 20s that makes $400,000 a year, and she won't spend money on five things. We'll share the five things. Also, we're going to talk about why entrepreneurs are so woo-woo these days. They're mystical. And uh, there's a particular word, and I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I want to talk more about it. There's a particular word that a lot of famous and successful entrepreneurs focus on, and I'll tell you what that word is. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Everyone's talking about Elon Musk and the fact that he has done it, a hostile takeover of Twitter. And at the same time, we see Tesla stock dove a little bit, and people are saying, oh, boy, is he going to be able to put this deal together Uh, And it looks like he is. Also, a lot of people are wondering and they say, hey, you know, Donald Trump could have never become president without Twitter. He has tried to launch his his own social media platforms. It has been a dismal failure. He's also tried sending out strongly worded emails. That hasn't worked either. He also has people within his own family that try to take things that he says and kind of retweet those and repackage those, and they just don't... It just doesn't have the same flair. So, Ron, a double-barrel question here. One, what does it mean for Elon Musk Musk to uh, own Twitter? What do you think he's going to do with it? And number two... If he puts President Trump back on, which I think he probably will, I think he's given uh, President Trump a real shot at the White House again. Your thoughts?
0: This is a, a super intriguing question, and it has screwed up some of my investing because I, I have some shares in Tesla. And so that, that's been interesting on the stock market to watch their reaction to this. So let's let's pull back for a moment and, and think about, uh, because these are all relatively new technologies. So Twitter started uh as an experiment at south by southwest in austin texas and some tech bros wanted to be able to hang out with each other and so they're at this festival and so they came up with the idea of the hashtag and the the hashtag is that you know i used to as growing up it was the dollar sign and and so what they said is like hey when don and i are in austin and we're over at the barbecue place we're going to hashtag the barbecue place. And so if you guys are following that, you'll know when we're over there. And so they were inventing this technology because they wanted to stay connected with other people. And so it was very few people that used it. It's this technology platform. Uh, they had this idea of like coalescing around terms or hashtags, and then they took it uh, and opened it up to the public, and a bunch of people jumped on and started to share these things. They capped it at 140 characters because that was the original protocol for a, a text message. So a text message used to be capped uh, because it, it costs money to send data, so they capped it at 140 characters. So that's the background. It was It was never intended... Uh, the original iteration was not that it was going to overthrow governments, or that you would be able to have an Arab Spring, or that the president of the future president of the United States of America could use it as a bully pulpit. It was intended to be used as a platform to get your thoughts out into the world, and that a small group of friends would be able to connect with you. It turned into this other thing. Then it went public. Jack Dorsey became a billionaire and it started to get a a ton of people, millions of people around the planet. And it became that unicorn of of tech inventions that did change the world. Um, Elon Musk has been on there. I think he's, they call call him a celebrity. I think there's only like seven other quote unquote celebrities with bigger followings than he has. Uh, People like Taylor Swift or like Kim Kardashian. And, He is a very active, heavy user of Twitter. And he's been in trouble with the SEC uh, at times for using Twitter, they believe, to manipulate the price of Tesla or to, at one point he tweeted out that he was going to take Tesla private and there was a multi-year investigation into that. The SEC fined him. like He's used it and abused it, some would say. And so now he wants to buy it and take it private. And I think the interesting thing is here, Uh, Because a lot of people thought, and they reach out to Jack Dorsey, and they're like, dude, control your stuff. Jack only owns 2% of Twitter. Uh, And when Jack wanted to do something with Twitter, like take it from 140 characters to 280 characters, he has to get approval from the board. He can't go in there and unilaterally do stuff because he's been divesting himself over the years and just taking the fortune. And, and he's still there as a figurehead, but he, he owns very little of the company.
1: And didn't he create, pay, is he behind PayPal or what is he behind
0: now? No, that you're saying Elon Musk was the guy that uh, invented PayPal. Yeah. And so now that Elon has made this bid, he wants to take it private. Uh, so delist it from the stock exchange and privately own this company and do things with it that he he says he wants to improve Twitter. So what are the critiques? The critiques are that it, it there were no fair and reasonable regulations across the board. So, for instance, one person could say uh, threaten violence on Twitter and their account would be banned, and then a different person who was a public figure could threaten violence on Twitter and they wouldn't be banned. And so Twitter would invoke a, a message of, well, this is in the public good because this is a a political person and, and there's news value to know what their tweets are or what they're thinking. And so there are many critics, and I think the criticism is fair. Um, if there's going to be a rule, then that rule needs to be fairly applied to everyone. So doing that across all cultures, doing that across all languages is a very difficult task. It's the same thing that Facebook has been up against. But I think that it's going to be an interesting experiment. There are billion-dollar penalties on either side of this deal if it goes south. Uh, I think Elon Musk, I don't know if he can be trusted because he's very flippant a lot, and he likes to troll people. Uh, I just saw a tweet from him a minute ago that said, my next move is to buy Coca-Cola and put the cocaine back in. And so I know it's tongue-in-cheek, uh, it got four million likes, but it—he puts his foot in his mouth a lot on this on this platform.
1: Yeah. So, and and Jack Dorsey will get just under a billion dollars for this transaction. The board was unanimous, and he's on the board. It was unanimous that they uh, would accept this deal because
0: they've had a hard and- time meeting their stock.
1: Yeah. And he, and, and, and it's a loser. It doesn't make money. It still loses money. Just like Amazon lost money for a long, long time. And he's the head of block now blocking. So, uh, so the second question there, do you, do you think he lets Donald Trump back on? I think if he does, it actually gives the former president a shot at the presidency again. I, I have said without Twitter, he would have never become president and he doesn't have a shot at becoming a president again. Twitter changes everything though. Cause it pushes them right to the front of uh, the newsmaker chain and, and what happened, even when you had MSNBC and CNN and all that, where they're trying to ignore all those tweets, Fox went with it, and their ratings blew up as a result of that. And then CNN and MSNBC and everybody else said, you know what? We, we got to follow his tweets, too. And, and everybody did, and they benefited as a result of that. So, so the the, the former president at the time that he got axed, I think he had over 114 million followers. Incredible. So,
0: And a lot of those were bots. But so... The deal's not supposed to go down until October. It could easily be the, the consummation of this deal. So the the principal deal is put together. So it could be it could go past that deadline as well. So Elon Musk will not have the ability to even reinstate Donald Trump until after October. He could do it. Uh, I believe Trump has come out and said he doesn't want to go back on Twitter. He's trying to still have True Social be the thing because they did a quasi. Um, you know, stock thing with that that made him a lot of money. So he's trying to push that. like you said, it's been a disaster. He's still trying to keep that off of life support. and if he publicly announces that he's going back on Twitter, then you just put a bullet in the head of uh, of true social, which is tied into this media conglomerate that he's trying to you know, basically bail him out of all the debt that he has right now with all these different loans coming due. So it's a complicated story. But you're right. If he does go back on Twitter, and if it's unmoderated, then, of course, it could catapult him back to the White House again. Um, That's the thing, that to my first point. Whoever owns Twitter, whether it's Elon Musk or it's a publicly traded company, same with Facebook, there has to be an even set of rules that applies to everyone. In my book doesn't matter if you're a president, a former president or a dictator or a foreign entity. If, if you, it should be a low bar that how could we not agree that if you threaten violence on a public forum and you do it multiple times that your account should be banned. Like that seems easy to do. It seems like that should be someone making threatening uh, deals. Now, whether it goes to sexism, racism, racism, all of these sort of things, the lines begin to get blurred on what is a joke and what is real, what is acceptable in America that may not be acceptable in a different culture, et cetera. I think those can be worked out. But at the bare minimum, if you're threatening violence and uh, a coercion of a government, that your account should be banned.
1: All right. More on the other side, you guys.
0: I would definitely recommend working with Ron and Don. Completely satisfied. 100% guaranteed. <laughs> If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down.
1: Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen.
0: And I'm Byron. Hi, I'm Oli. Hi, I'm Emmy. We are Team Greenland, and we sat Sat down down with Ron Ron and Don. Don.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, we talked about pricing, we talked about staging, we
0: talked about location, about what the market was like. He gave us so much information. We'd have a game plan and there'd be a team helping us and we Mm -hmm. went for it, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Thanks to Ron and Don, we got the house of our dreams under asking price, which just does not happen in this market. And we could not be happier. Um, We wouldn't have been able to be where we're at in terms of buying and renovating a house without his expertise and support.
0: Uh, We got an offer, I think, day one, that was 25 to 50,000 over asking. I'm like telling my wife, don't you think we should take this? And she's like, no, we're sticking to this. We're gonna wait till that offer review review date, like Ron and Don said, waited till offer review date and we had like seven or eight more offers and an offer 100,000 over asking. With Ron and Don, you get two great minds that perfectly complement each
1: other. You get the data and analytics, you get the creativity, the drive, and the energy. They are, they are the complete package.
0: If someone asked me, in fact, someone did ask me uh, recently how we sold our house so fast, and I said, well, we had a great realtor team, and that makes all the difference. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at com. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. All
1: right, you guys. Welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. I was reading something just on a business blog the other day about this 29-year-old woman who went from making $36,000 a year just working in an apartment store, and now she makes over $400,000 a year. Writing content for other people on Fiverr. We've used Fiverr before. What is Fiverr?
0: A uh, Fiverr is like a gig economy website where you can go out and uh, have a task that you want done, and people will do that task for various prices. So like in this case, you you want writing done. You can go out, search for writing, look at some of her examples, and then she will bid the job. They call it Fiverr because initially... Uh, Everything on the site was 5 bucks, and then they changed that model pretty quickly.
1: All right, she says there's five things that she does in her early life. These are five things that she does to save money and to build wealth. Because it's one thing to go out and to make a lot of money, but how many of us know a lot of people that make a lot of money But then at the end of their life cycle, when it's time to retire, they're living off Social Security. You made a lot of money, but you didn't build wealth. This is what she says uh, that she does in order to build wealth. And, Ron, I want you to compare yourself to this 29-year-old. Number one, she says she doesn't buy any new designer clothes or handbags. She spends about $2,500 a year on clothes, and that has to last her for a year. And then she says she takes all her other clothes. She's being nice to uh, not only her pocketbook, but she's being nice to other people and nice to the environment by donating those clothes to Goodwill. So she said she just cycles through her clothes one time a year, 2,500 bucks. Your thoughts on that?
0: I think it's smart. Uh, I think that the, the, some of those designer goods are a bad investment, obviously. I would think for me and probably you as well, I think we're under 2,500 bucks a year on clothes.
1: Yeah. You know what I do is I just go out and I buy the same shirts. I have a certain pair of pants that are size 32 that I like. And then even the shoes that I have on right now, uh, these particular shoes, I have four pairs of these same kind of shoes. And I had four different pairs of the same shoes last year. And I take those and I rotate those out and I rotate these th- these uh, these shoes in. So uh, yeah, I don't spend a lot of money. I don't spend a lot of money on clothes. And it's ridiculous because a lot of times I think I'm wearing the same clothes. A lot of t- it's just a different it's a different color or a different shade, but it's the I, same stuff.
0: You know, you've taken a lot of mental energy seriously off the table by just finding something you like buy multiples of it and just get on with your day.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, And we learned that from Steve jobs. If you read the Steve jobs book, that's what he did. He he just, he wore a uniform every day. And then uh, that's kind of what I've learned to do. Uh, number three, she says she doesn't take Uber trips that are less than three miles away. If they're less than three miles, she'll either walk, she'll jump on a bus, she'll jump on a scooter, she'll jump on a bike. Uh, but she's not paying for those Uber trips. Those uber short trips can really add up and get rather expensive.
0: They can. I think that um, it depends. I believe this woman is in South Florida. It's a little bit easier uh, to walk around there, especially in the winter. Sometimes in Seattle, if you're three miles in the rain, in February might be a little rough, but I I get the spirit of what she's saying.
1: Yeah. And then uh, she also says when it comes to bars, she does not buy drinks after eight o'clock. So if she's out with her girlfriends, she's attending happy hours. She knows where all the happy hours are. And she says, it's ridiculous how expensive food and drinks become when the sun goes down. So she said, you know what? Unless I'm on a date, I'm not going to be a part of it. Eight o'clock, I'm done. Draw a line and (laughs) say, that's
0: pretty smart. It is smart. I think um, it depends on the lifestyle.
1: Yeah. And here's the, here's the other thing that I think is really interesting. Finally, she says that she's never paid rent. Uh, she bought her first property, and she lived in that property. And then what people tr- usually try to do is they sell that property, and then they move up. So maybe you buy a condo, and you move into a single-family home. This is what I always tell people, and this is what she has done. And it's really smart. If you're going to buy a condo the first time around, make sure that there's no rental cap, and you can rent that thing out, and there's no reason why. You can't hang on to that condo, take some of the equity that you built, use that as a down payment in the second home that you're going to buy, and hang on to that first mortgage. That's what she did. So now she has a second home, and that first home, she actually uses that home as Airbnb, and it cash flows. So not only does it create some great great cash for her, but somebody else now, the people that are renting that out, they're paying down uh, the debt on that particular loan. And, And you know what? Our parents didn't teach us that. Right? They taught us if you get a second home, it's later in life and it's usually like a Winnebago or a travel trailer or maybe it's a camp somewhere and you have a cabin and that cabin just kind of sits there and eats up money. There's no reason why at a very young age that you can't go secure a mortgage, especially if you have a W-2 job. And then when you're getting re- – I talked to my friend Nolan about this the other day. He's, he's, he's a local cop, and he's getting ready to sell his house, and their family is getting bigger. So he's like, hey, we need, a, we need a bigger house. And what we're trying to do is figure out how can we save and hang on to the first house and then pivot and buy the second house. There's certainly some pain points in there, but it can be done. And the next thing you know, you own three or four homes, and then you're on your way to financial freedom. That's what she did here.
0: Yeah, it's very smart. There's some, I'm with you where I look back and go, oh, if if only I had known some of these things in my 20s and 30s, uh, I'd be so much better off now. Cause you're right. Like I was the guy that bought a stereo on a credit card at Bon Marché and took seven years to pay it off uh, because I just didn't understand how money worked. I didn't understand how assets work, uh, and I had to figure it out on my own
1: because there was no one there to teach it to yeah, me. Yeah, life has leveraged you guys, and if you're younger, if you're younger, your leverage is your age. It really is your age. And also, your, your leverage is your job that you have right now. When you get older and you retire, you don't have that W-2 job, or you don't have a 1099 job, that leverage goes away. The bank says, wow, your leverage has gone away. So you want to make sure if you're going to acquire assets that you do it when you're younger, when you have that leverage. And then also, and I would say this to parents out there, you see boomers doing this right now. And I think it's a good idea. Instead of taking part of your wealth and giving it to your kids when you're dead, because you end up giving a lot of that wealth to to the government in the form of taxes and state taxes. Sometimes it's better to give them that leverage now so they can go out and they can buy a house and uh, that'll help you uh, alleviate some tax debt as well. So anyway, check in with your CPA on that. Why wouldn't you? Hey, don't go anywhere. Uh, We come back. uh, We're going to finish up with uh, entrepreneurs, uh, which we are. And how come they've gotten so woo-woo? More about that. Woo on the other side. (laughs) Hey, you guys, we're sitting here with Mitch.loans. We want to thank everyone for switching to Mitch. Should he change his name from Mitch Weeks to Mitch.loans? <laughs> yeah, that's his name. <laughs> Any, anyway, this is something I've been thinking about, Mitch. Here comes 2022. I'm going to sit down and do my taxes anyway. Most of the stuff that I'm going to need to send you to do a refi is right in front of me. So as people are doing their taxes this year, It's a great time because you got all the paperwork right there that you guys need to think about doing a refi in 2022, right?
0: It sure is. Yeah. And as you have that stuff in front of you, keep in mind that it's totally free to have a consultation with me. You give me a call, you take the loan application, and we might talk it over and decide it's not the call right now. Refi doesn't make sense whether you're buying in the next two years or you're already in a good loan. We'll keep it, you know, like that. But if it's time to switch, you'll be glad you did. So switch to Mitch, and let's get that call going. There we go. He's Mitch Weeks. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ronadon Nation. Go to Mitch.loans right now for more information. Save half a percent on your new loans at Mitch.loans. NMLS 169-1573. All right,
1: you guys, before we finish up here, don't forget, if you need a loan, Mitch.loans. Switch to the Mitch. He's closed a great loan for us uh, this week. And also, he's helping to uh, finance a house that we just went up against an all-cash buyer, and we won, and it's because we got underwritten with Mitch. Mitch Not Loans right now if you need help with a loan. And then also don't forget our thanks to Les Schwab for sponsoring today's show. If you need tires, spring tire sales is going on right now. Just go to leschwab.com and find Les Schwab right in your neighborhood. And if you need us, let's sit down. Ron and dot sit down.com. Anyway, entrepreneurs, they say, uh, look at Entrepreneurs. Uh, the ones that are really successful uh, at times seem to get a little woo woo. Uh, do you? You're an entrepreneur. Do you think you're? Do you think you're woo woo? Do you abra- embrace some of the woo woo stuff? I, and I, how's that? How's that working for you?
0: I do. I think I'm somewhat woo woo. Not as woo woo as other people, but yeah, I think th- there's an interesting story that you sent about a, a woman that uh, left sort of a day job that she was doing well, started this entrepreneurial thing, and she had to buy into the this model of energy. And how am I going to put this energy out into the world? And will it come back to me and be profitable? And so it traces how she did that, the transformation, and the results that she's getting, which are are truly remarkable. It's it's really that unicorn case where she's one in, in a million, but she, she did it and she attributes it to this woo-woo energy field theory that she has.
1: Yeah, you can do all the woo-woo stuff that you want, but if you're not doing little habits... Every day. And I don't mean the bad habits. I mean, the good ones. So if you read it, read uh, James clear, he's written a book and it's about habit stacking. And I've talked about this before. Let's say, for instance, that you're dating a woman. And I remember dating girls down in New Orleans and they would always tell you to ask them because I cannot be around smoke. I, I don't. I don't like being around smoke. I don't like the way it makes my clothes smell. I don't like being in bars where they smoke. And there's still lots of bars down there that are non-smoking where everybody smokes because it's New Orleans. And you'll ask ask someone when you're dating down there, you say, hey, do you smoke? And they'll say, you know what? I only smoke when I drink. But then you find out, like the country song says, but they drink all the time, right? right? And so smoking then is connected to drinking. Smoking and drinking is connected to eating a lot of fatty foods in bars. Fatty foods and bars is connected to breathing in that smoke, eating that fatty food, gaining weight. Uh, It's horrible for your heart. The next thing you know, you're staying up late because you're at these bars. You're losing track of time. So now you're losing sleep. Then you're waking up the next day. You have a hangover. Instead of going to the gym, you're laying in bed and you're like, what the hell did I do last night? And then it just, you start habit stacking these bad, these bad habits. And then it's hard to get out of those habits when you're like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Well, what you have to do is you have to dismantle that behavior one habit at a time and then you have to start looking at good habits and stack those habits so for instance at our house we get up in the morning first thing we do is what admiral mcraven said to do and if you've never heard his talk about making your bed every day you make your bed every day and in making our bed our bed reminds us that it's time to brush our teeth and after Brushing our teeth, it reminds us, well, maybe I should have eaten before I brush my teeth. And as I'm eating, it reminds us, I should probably feed Charlie the dog because I'm eating right now. And I want to make sure that Charlie's eating. And as I'm eating, I have to remember, hey, at noon today, I'm going to have lunch. So have I packed my lunch? So you start stacking all these good habits or these bad habits together. And it's like in any business. You got to get up every day and you got to stack, 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 stack those small habits. And people at the end of the year, a lot of times, like in our real estate business, they go, holy, wow, I cannot believe that you guys sold tens of millions of dollars in real estate last year. And when you look at it annually, you're like, yeah, we've only been doing this a couple of years. And that is pretty amazing. But the reason we're able to do that is because we stack those habits. And Ron and I, in fact, we record, we, we record three podcasts at a time on Thursday. And before we got here, we were out with clients. We're running videos. We're already in a meeting this morning. We have another meeting after this. So we're stacking those habits to make sure that we're putting in the time, the time around our business to build it, to help it, to water it, to plan it. Plant it first, then water it, and make this thing grow. So that is so – you can do the woo-woo stuff. But if you're not going to do that early morning stuff, and you're really not going to stack those habits and do the tough, hard work, uh, then no matter what business you start, no matter what business you start, uh, it's going to fail. You got to have those little habits, right?
0: And you also have to have the skill. Like the the this article that featured this woman that does this, this stuff on Excel, she's really good at it. And so she took the time to build her skills up. And now the way she's presenting it to the world is catchy and fun and engaging. And she found her stride and found her energy and the people then found her and it's, it's growing, but none of it would have happened if she hadn't geeked out and and done the thing like sometimes like you and I, you've had some moments over the years where, um, some computer things have, have been not natural for you. And it seems really easy to me. But if you took all the hours that I spent in frustration trying to learn these skills over the years, those are the moments that nobody wants to feature. The time you're like, ah, I can't do this thing. And am I going to be the one that perseveres and figures it out versus people that don't persevere and don't figure it out? If you do that enough times, it it does become easy. And so then, you know, five years later or 10 years later, it's like, here's a new platform, learn it. Wow, you picked that up really fast. Well, it's because I've learned a hundred other platforms in my life before. Yeah, So got- that's what this woman has done is she, she's an expert at something and she's figured out a way to make it fun and accessible to other people.
1: Yeah. And what is, what is her business again?
0: Miss Excel. She teaches Excel spreadsheets.
1: That's right. Yeah. And then I think the other thing is sometimes, man, you jump in the deep end of the pool and you're freaking out and you have to be a little self-propelled because you do I have a boss standing there writing a check every two weeks, as long as you show up, it's very, very different when it's all kind of up to you and you feel the pressure of that. Uh, And I think pressure sometimes can be a good thing. I think failing uh, can be a good thing because you learn from all that. And then one word that I really like that a lot of top executives use, they use the word yet. So a lot of times, maybe we haven't done something, but you have to remember, maybe you haven't done it, but continue to do the work around it, stack those habits Get those reps, as Ron was just talking about, and don't forget, maybe your business hasn't popped, but it hasn't popped yet. Maybe you're not the parent that you want to be yet, right? Maybe you're not the partner in a relationship that you want to be. Well, you're not there yet. So I have the word yet scrawled in my journal and all throughout my house and in a closet where I do a little quiet time every morning. It just says the word
0: Yet. I thought that was yet, which was a word from New Orleans. Where are you at?
1: Where are you at? Yeah. yeah, or a Yeti cooler. How about that? Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for stopping by, sharing this episode of the Ron and Don Show with us. We appreciate it. If you need us, thanks for allowing us to be your friends, your broadcasters, and your realtors. Just reach out. All you have to do is go to ronandonsitdown.com and we can sit down today. And Chances are, with you the, the sound of our voice, we can help you Is We brought on real estate and sold real estate all the way from Port Orchard up to Everett, of course, here in Seattle. We're doing a lot of business on the east side. In fact, we have a house that's on in Finn Hill right now that's balls for under a million dollars. Yeah, we're going to find a house for under a million dollars on the east side. And this thing is all tuned up and it's beautiful. Also, we have a brand new listing right over here in Ballard. So it's right on Market Street. In fact, we had tuned up the Triplex next door and the neighbor saw us tuning that place up. And that thing is going gangbusters now. Uh, and she called us and said, hey, do you think you could sell mine? And we're like, yeah, we could do that. Anyway, she said, I thought you were the yard guys. And I said, sometimes we are the yard guys because she saw us out there with rakes and shovels getting it done. So if you need us to get it done, ronandonsitdown.com, buying, selling, investing. You want to learn how to do Airbnbs? Uh, I'm an expert in that and Ron's a backyard cottage expert. So you can reach out to us today, ronandonsitdown.com. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time right here. day on the Ron and Don Radio Network.
0: Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! Only. Only!
1: Only.
0: Only! Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.